Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. It's the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. It is Tuesday, about midday. I'm recording uh, this week. I don't really have a whole lot of good news to tell you. That's, um, that's part of the problem with my job. When we get into these bear markets for extended periods of time, I'm just the bearer of bad news. Day after day after day after day. And and there are times, too, where you get to be the, the person who delivers the good news. But it just seems like the last several years, especially it related to the grain markets, at least there hasn't been a whole lot of that. So uh, I am here again to bring you more bad news today. We do have kind of an interesting uh, conversation. I'm going to talk about how to handle down markets in regard to your grain marketing. And uh, I kind of have a list of some things that um, I like to keep an eye on, some opportunities that may arise, and a couple things that are perhaps a little bit more controversial uh, that we'll get into. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, make sure you go to Google or Apple or whichever podcast app that you're using and subscribe to Grain Markets and other stuff. If you like the podcast, leave me a review. If you have questions about the podcast uh, or questions for the podcast, I will answer them uh, on the podcast here if I have time. Shoot me an email to info at standardgrain.com. That goes straight to my desk, info at standardgrain.com. Also, follow me on Twitter if you don't already at Standard Grain. Um, I don't tweet as much as I used to, but I do post uh, audio commentary. I post some charts from time to time and and just some general thoughts on the markets. Um, So in the news this week, I'm going to run through just a a few little headlines that I think are relevant. There are supposedly some very early signs that uh, the virus could be peaking in some key hotspots. New York, parts of Europe. And I think that's part of the reason why the stock market's been so strong. You know, the S&P was up 7% on Monday. It's up another, what, 2 or 3% as I speak here today. Uh, and we're trading, I think, 25 or 26% off of the lows that were posted just two weeks ago. So it's really been a, a pretty significant bounce. Now, that's a, a 25% bounce, but we're still 20% below the highs that were posted back in late February, and those were all-time highs. So we've still got a lot of work to do to get back to the highs. Um, what you need to see here, are, and, and the, this would help a lot of markets, you need to see some sort of, of return to normal-ish economic activity. You know, you need people going to restaurants and going to bars and going to the movies and uh, stuff like that to get the economic engine kind of turning here. And we're not quite to that point yet. Although given some of the new models and the new data, we could be a little bit closer than maybe we thought we were uh, just last week. I really think in regard to the stock market, I think that this thing is, it's the analogy I'd use, this is like a live wire that was cut down in like a thunderstorm or because of some heavy winds. It's got a ton of current 
drifting through it. We've got all this stimulus. Um, we've got all this money that's being thrown out there, all these loans, all this liquidity. And once they get that wire reattached, all that stuff is going to be flowing through the system. It's really going to help this market. I really think that when things do recover, and I'm going to go with when, not if, I'm going to say when we do get back to a normal sort of economic situation here, I think this stock market is supercharged. I think you could see I think you could see new all-time highs before the end of the year, personally. And I'm not a, a financial advisor. Um, I do my own investments. And uh, that's my thought on on that particular situation. So there's there's a lot going on here. Nice moves in the stock market today. The cattle market limit up today. That's a good move. Um, corn futures up a little bit. So um, we'll go to the other topic, which is OPEC. And OPEC is, I, I've, I find myself talking about OPEC quite a bit recently because of the oil market and its ties to ethanol. And it's a very significant relationship. Um, 40% of all the corn grown in the U.S. goes toward ethanol production. So when the U.S. ethanol producer cannot make money and decides to idle production or reduce production or stop buying corn from the farmer, it's, it's a very bad deal. And that's why the corn market has been so incredibly weak here as of late. It, it's, it has... Uh, a ton to do with ethanol. I, I think that's by far the biggest uh, factor that's responsible for the sell-off in the corn market. Certainly, so we're hoping we're hoping that OPEC can get together later this week, agree on a production cut, and then we're hoping that kind of halfway solves the supply problem. And then we hope at the same time or or sometime here in the next several weeks, we start to get back to some sort of normalish economic activity, which will help your demand side. I think they said, uh, the statistic I saw, global demand for crude oil is down 30% um, as a result of the virus. We need that back so that we can get our ethanol demand back and get that situation back on its feet. So the corn market uh, and its relationship to ethanol, that's the big driving factor in prices here. So to get into today's conversation, how to handle down markets. Um, this stuff is no fun. It's no fun. It's no fun to look at a corn market that goes down every day. It's no fun to look at, at soybeans under pressure, wheat under pressure. Uh, when you've got the stuff in the bin, you've got the stuff uh, about to be planted, and uh, it's just not profitable for you. It's, it's no fun to look at. But I do think that there, uh, in some situations, can be opportunities in down markets. You just have to know where to look for them. And I'm going to try to run through a list of things, some of which I think are are very much concrete in that there there are things that you can can do in down markets that in most situations will be beneficial. And there are other things that kind of walk the line here that I'm going to uh, talk about, and uh, I'm going to give you the whole rundown. So I wanted to start off with. Um, with basis. And typically that would be the first thing that I would look for in terms of an opportunity in a down market. Um, if the futures market has, has fallen in a lot of situations, you'll see basis improvement or you'll see the basis tighten up just, just marginally. We have not seen that in the corn market this time around. And the reason being is because that ethanol bid has just either totally gone away or or really softened up in a lot of parts of the country. So this is kind of an odd situation, I would argue. Um, it was odd that basis was so strong for the last several months. I mean, really through the latter part of the summer into harvest, into the early part of this year, corn basis across the country was running well ahead of, of where it normally is. Um, 
seasonally and, and really just in general. And now we've had this kind of weird situation where both the futures and the basis have collapsed kind of at the same time, leaving us with a really odd situation. But in general, as a rule, when it comes to grain marketing, you know, year over year over year, that's the first thing I'll look for in down markets is, is there some opportunity in the basis? Has, has the basis tightened up, whether it's old crop or new crop? Is there an opportunity there? And uh, right now, as far as, as the corn market in particular, no, probably not. There may be some stuff in the soybeans here and there, um, but you know, export the export program in beans has kind of suffered, so that that bid hasn't been as good as it could be. But that's the that's the first thing. That would be the very first thing I'd look for. The second thing I think would be spreads, uh, and I'm talking about spreads as they relate to two things. One, as they relate to sales that you have on the books, either futures or HTAs, or two, as they relate to sales that you may make. Um, you got to take a look at those deferred contracts. If there is just a ton of carry or a ridiculous amount of carry in the market, or or sh- maybe the correct way to put it would be this. If there, if there are historically wide uh, spreads and historically there's lots of carry in the markets, that's an opportunity to do one of two things. Uh, first, take a look at your existing sales, HTAs or futures. And if you have sales on the books and you've got bins, and you can roll them forward and pick up that carry, capture that carry, as they say, that would be the first thing to do. And uh, for details on exactly when to do that, I kind of tell my customers when I think the carry's uh, maxed out or when when we're up to historically wide levels. And I'll say, you know, in my updates, hey, by the way, the, the carry from, uh, say, December 20 corn out to July 21 corn. It's it's about as wide as it typically gets, and this is a good opportunity to roll spreads. Um, that's that's something to keep an eye on. The other thing would be just to make forward sales. That's the other way. There's only two ways to capture carry. You've either got to make a sale or a hedge, or you've got to roll an existing sale or hedge. Those are the only two ways to do it. So you can make an ex- make a, an additional sale or hedge and uh, capture the carry that way. But that would be the other thing I look for because in a lot of situations, you'll see the carry uh, carries improve or widen out uh, or increase <clears throat> uh, in down markets. And uh, we've seen a little bit of that here. Uh, the corn spreads are not as wide as they could be. The soybean spreads certainly not as wide as they could be. So again, kind of an anomaly here, just like the corn basis thing. But that's that would be the second thing. I mean, just in general, when it comes to grain marketing, I'm not necessarily talking about this instance specifically, but basis and then spreads. There should be one. There is one one note here uh, under spreads. You know, CME increased their storage rates <clears throat> for corn and soybeans last year. And that means that the spreads theoretically have the ability to go further, meaning wider than uh, they could have previously. So that's got to be, it's kind of uncharted waters and and we've got to keep an eye on that situation, but the spreads can actually get a lot wider now than they could um, say a year ago. So that's something we've got to pay attention to. Uh, the next thing I have in my list, so basis, spreads, uh, any of you in the livestock business, and I know there are some people in the livestock business that listen to this. And of course, when it comes to the grain markets, you know the the uh, what's good for the farmer is is bad for the livestock guy, and and vice versa in most situations. So when we get into a situation like this where prices are at multi year lows uh, for for feed grains for corn in particular right now, uh, great opportunity to take a look at locking up 
uh, some feed needs, and that could be done in the cash market. It could be done via a futures contract. You can just set some ceilings using, say, call options or uh, some put versus call strategies uh, where maybe you buy a call and sell a put to, to pay for it, some sort of really simple spread like that. But I think that in as far as the livestock business is concerned, I know it's a mess right now. I know the cattle business is a mess. I know the hog business is is just as big of a mess, if not bigger. Um, that may be another opportunity is is uh, if you are somebody who feeds livestock, this is maybe an opportunity to lock up uh, cheap corn, especially while the board's down and the basis has fallen off. Definitely. I had to put this on my list, and this is uh, something that is – I don't know if there's any such thing as controversy in grain marketing, but there are people who have differing opinions on this. Have you ever heard of a courage call option? Well, it's uh, something that a number of of marketing firms tout. And the idea is this. So you have, let's just use new crop corn as an example. You're going to plant a whole bunch of corn this year. You've only got a portion of it priced right now. And uh, the idea here would be this. These corns at 352, right? The idea behind the courage call is that on a day like today, you would go and buy a call option at say, let's say a $4 call and you'd spend nine and a half cents a bushel on that call option. The idea being that when and if, and this is an if, uh, if corn ever gets to $4 or anywhere near $4, you can then sell the futures or make the cash sales and let the call option pick up any additional upside in the market. That's the idea behind the trade. Now, I've had customers do this. I've had customers that don't like doing this. And I don't I don't tell my customers what they can and can't do. I explain to them very thoroughly uh, what they're getting themselves involved in. And this is what you're getting involved in with the Courage Call. You're getting involved in a speculative trade. It's not a hedge in any way, shape, or form. It's an additional long position in a market that you are already very heavily long. So get that out of the way. It's a spec position for a farmer. It's an additional long position in a market that you are already long. So in this type of environment with these corn at $3.52, can you afford to burn another nine and a half cents when you've already got negative margins that you're dealing with? That's the question that you've got to ask yourself. So it's, it's, there's, there's nothing about it that really tells me it's, it's a grain marketing strategy or a hedge strategy. It's a pure speculative position that takes additional dollars off of your bottom line. All that being said, that's the disclaimer. All that being said, I have seen customers in many instances make sales that they may not have made otherwise because they own the calls. So I have seen it work. I have seen it work the way that it's designed to work or the way that it is, uh, uh, the way that people say that it will work. Um, I've seen that work. So there's two sides to it. I mean, on one hand, yeah, when it comes down to it, it's a spec trade. You're spending money that you really don't have on a call option. But, you know, the biggest problem for, for a lot of people who market grain, biggest problem is fear of missing out. And people are, you know, if corn rallies from three fifty to four dollars right now, which a lot of people think is impossible, but if corn rallies from three fifty to four dollars, is everybody going to be bullish or bearish when that happens? My guess would be that something has changed news wise 
whether it's a weather event or ethanol shifts around or China buys, whatever the news is, I don't know what it's going to be. You never know. But when you get to that situation, people are going to be bullish corn, just like people were bullish corn at 450 in June of 2019 because the acres weren't going to be there. You know, there's always a different reason and the sentiment's always bullish at the top and bearish at the bottom. So is there some merit to the courage call option? There can be. There can be, but it's not a hedge. It's a speculative position. And in this particular instance, you're spending money that you don't have to do it. So if a customer calls me and says, I'm interested in this courage call option, I'm going to tell them all of the things that I just told you. One, it's a spec position. Two, you're spending money that you probably don't have. Three, um, maybe it, it helps you to make a sale down the road. Maybe it helps you to make a sale that you wouldn't have made otherwise. So if you hate this idea, I understand it. I get it. It's not a hedge. It's a spec trade. That's what it is. And I really try to keep farmers away from the speculative side here. Um, if you like to do it, um, I'll help you do it. And I'll tell you the best way that I believe you can do it while telling you that, you know, this isn't really a hedge. It's, it's a spec trade. But if it helps you make great sales or good sales at the end of the day, then maybe it's, maybe it's worth doing. I don't know. So I don't. I'm going to say this. I don't really have an official stance on it. I can only tell you the facts. The facts are that it's it's a spec trade. It's not a hedge. When you're in a, a negative margin environment, it's um, it's you're spending money that you don't have, but it may help you to make some really good sales. I So that's where I'll leave it. The next thing to look at would be crop insurance. Um, you know, you look at these spring guarantees, 388 for corn, 917 for beans. Um, you should probably be examining your crop insurance situation because if you are a person who say priced say you got 25 percent of your new crop corn sold at good prices and now we're down in the dumps here at, at 350 um, there may be a point here where you don't actually have a ton of downside risk in the market because of the crop insurance if you bought that 85 or 90 percent coverage uh, there may be a point here where that kind of kicks in and starts to pay off for you and you may not actually have a ton of downside risk in the market i know that varies of course with what sort of production you have um, a whole bunch of different things a lot of variables i'm not an expert on crop insurance and this is why my advice would be to talk to your crop insurance expert who handles your business and uh get the get the lay of the land in terms of like where does this revenue protection kick in for me? I've got this much sold. You know, what are what are the numbers I should be looking at? That's another thing uh, to look at. The last thing on my list is is margins. Just I know that when we get into down markets like this, um, when we get into down markets like this, farmers and and people who market grain will oftentimes kind of just bury their head in the sand and say, you know what, I, this stuff sucks. I'm not looking at it. I'm sick of looking at it. I'm going to go do something else. I I would advise against that. I think what you've got to do on an almost a daily basis is continue to examine your margins, continue to examine uh, revenue projections, yield projections. I know it's early for that, but just continue to do the things that you would do in an up market just so you have an idea as to where you stand. I don't know that burying your head in the sand and not paying attention is going to do you any good. So keep keep your eye on the numbers, definitely. Um, I tell people this to, to wrap it up. I tell people this when it comes to down markets. That there's not really anything you can do to fix a bad price. I can't put an option strategy together for you to fix a bad price. I can't do that. Um, 
what we can do is just we've got to try to think several steps ahead. Um, where are my price targets are going to be? How's my revenue projections look at? What price am I profitable again? Um, you know, spreads, basis, when the market's down. I know that maybe some of those opportunities aren't there right now, but in a more normal year, and this year is not normal for so many reasons, but um, in a more normal year, those would be the things to do. So I hope I hope some of that stuff was uh, informative for you. I'm sure that a lot of you guys, that's that's grain marketing 101 and stuff that you learned years ago, but it's a little bit of a refresher course. It's some of the things that I tend uh, to pay attention to, and I'll be curious to see what people have to say about that uh, conversation on courage calls. I think I laid it out about as clearly as you could lay it out, but I know everybody's got opinions on that situation. If you like the podcast and you'd like some more information about how I market grain, about how I tend to handle these situations, you should really consider signing up for my newsletter. Go to standardgrain.com, click on Grain Marketing Plan. Uh, for $49 a month, you sign up through PayPal and it bills your credit card automatically every month. I don't send out invoices. You don't have to write checks or anything like that. You just sign up once and uh, you'll get my morning email. You'll get grain marketing alerts via text messages. You'll know when and how and actual percentages on what I'm pricing, when I'm pricing it. I talked about those spread opportunities, basis opportunities. I discussed all of that. And you can cancel that subscription at any time. I don't rope you into anything. So if you sign up for it for a month and you don't like it, cancel it. You won't hurt my feelings. Uh, Thank you for listening to the podcast. Remember, listen, subscribe, Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, any of the podcast outlets. Everyone have a wonderful week. Uh, We'll catch you next time.